Welcome in to Locked On Blackhawks on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Jay Zawoski. Happy opening day, Blackhawks fans. It is finally here. The Blackhawks season is about to begin. This afternoon at 1 p.m., the Hawks and Flyers drop the puck in Prague. It's going to be awesome. It's been a long and ridiculously painful, kind of fun, kind of exciting, but just a painfully long offseason for Blackhawks fans. So let's get back to it. Finally, 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 I am so excited that hockey is back. A lot to get to today, including Alex Dabrinkit's new contract. We've got some more news coming from Thursday's practice in Prague. Nothing too crazy, but some more news as it pertains to Kirby Doc and as it pertains to Alex Dabrinkit, obviously, and Calvin DeHaan. So a lot to get to. Before we do, I want to tell you guys how to get in touch with me. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. You could follow me on Twitter at jzawoski 670 That 670 part is because I am a producer at 670 The Score in Chicago. I'm also the Blackhawks writer, so you can find my work at 670thescore.com. Email the show at lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com, and you can leave us a voicemail, 708-653-0572, 708-653-0572. The plan is to do Monday mailbag shows, but I've not gotten a lot of feedback yet, so... I want to hear from you guys. Please uh, get in touch. Leave me some voicemails. If we had to postpone it until a week from Monday, so be it. But uh, really anxious to get those mailbag segments going. Uh, and also check out my other Blackhawks podcast, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Follow that one on Twitter at Madhouse Pod. So let's get right to it. Alex Debrinkit signs an extension today, a uh, three-year deal that begins uh, that ends in 2022-23. There's a $6.4 million cap hit for that deal, and there are so many reasons to be happy about this signing. You lock up a guy who scored 69 goals nice, in his first two seasons in the NHL. He's 21 years old. He's coming off a 41-goal season. Now, Debrinkit could have waited until after this season to sign a deal. He's not a restricted free agent until this season is over. But if Alex Dabrinkit scores 45, 50 goals again or gets to that number for the first time, rather, you're going to have to sign him for a lot more than $6.4 million. So you've got to give credit to the Blackhawks for getting this deal done at a reasonable price. You've got to give credit to Alex Dabrinkit for being willing to get it done quickly. He could have bet on himself. He probably would have won that bet and could have made some more money. But instead, the Hawks get him for three years. When that deal expires, he will be a restricted free agent again. So the Hawks will have the opportunity to sign him. He won't just be able to walk and be an unrestricted free agent. The other interesting thing is while it's a three-year deal, it doesn't begin until after the season. So he's locked up for four more years. At the end of those four years, guess who else's contracts are up? Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, those two guys making $10.5 million each, that lines up nicely for Debrinkit to bump up to that next level of pay and for Kane and Taves to sign short deals to sort of wind down their NHL careers. Four years after this, maybe you're looking at one, two more years of their careers at best, and they're going to be signing for pretty reasonable contracts at that point if they even come back, if they don't choose to retire. So the, Sam Bowman did a really, really strong job getting this deal done today. I thought for sure... This was going to go into next summer. 
I thought for sure it was going to drag through next summer. And like so many of the free agents we've seen sign this summer, like Patrick Line, Kyle Connor, Matthew Kachuk, these things took some time. And there was some anxiety and stress about the whole thing. Very, very glad the Hawks were able to get this done. And for the first time, it's kind of crazy. Almost never is a, is a move that the Blackhawks make, or really any sports team make, universally approved. And that's kind of been the case here with the Brinkett. I can't find a single person who's got anything negative to say about this deal. The great thing about it is, aside from the great number and the fact that it's worked out, is it doesn't linger over this entire next season where every time Alex DeBrinkett has a good game, the contract conversation comes up again. It also allows the Blackhawks to focus their attention on Dylan Strom, who is their next important restricted free agent who's owed a deal. He'll be a restricted free agent after this year as well. But there's no way the Blackhawks can justify paying Dylan Strom more than Alex DeBrinkett, unless he has some sort of crazy 90-100 point season, which I don't really see happening. There's no way Strom's going to get more money than DeBrinkett. So if you can get Strom for five and a half, you've got both of those guys who are centerpieces of your future going forward, potentially locked up for t- a little bit under $12 million. That is an absolute bargain for two players with the potential of Alex. De- it's not even potential anymore for DeBrinkett. DeBrinkett's a, a flat-out scoring star. Dylan Strom is on his way to stardom, I think. I loved what he brought last year. As soon as he joined the club, he became an impact player right away. He is positioned on that top power play unit. The points are going to come for Dylan Strom, but I still think at the end of next season, they can't look at Dylan Strom and say, we get, we're going to give you more than Alex DeBrinkett. Maybe they give him even to DeBrinkett, but that, that would be tough for me to justify. Even though it wouldn't be killer, it wouldn't be fatal, you're still getting both those guys for $13 million instead of just under 12, so it's not a huge difference. But if you give him five and a half, six, and you've got to bring it for 6.4, that's they're in good shape. And again, when you consider the situation with the contracts of Taves and Kane expiring, and then there'll still be one more year on Brent Seabrook's deal. Can you believe that? Good Lord. Five more years left on that deal. How about that? Let's not talk about that, though. It's a happy day. It's a good day. Hawks fans should be very, very excited. Alex DeBrink gets back. So I mentioned earlier the um, restricted free agents that signed sort of bridge-style deals this summer. Mitch Marner signed a longer deal, I think 10-year deal with Toronto. Um, Miko Rantanen signed a five-year deal. Some of the other restricted free agents went with some bigger deals, but namely Patrick Laine, Matthew Kachuk, Braden Point, and Brock Besser signed these shorter deals. Uh, Line A signed for two years, worth $6.75 million. That's a bargain for him, I think, but it's only two years. Kachuk signed for three years and seven. Point uh, was 6.75 for three years. Besser, 5.875 for three years. So when you put those names together and stack it in there, that's about where he belongs. Kachuk averaged about 0.78 points per game. Point about 0.86 points per game, Besser 0.83 points a game. If you take DeBrinket's year and extrapolate it, you know, to uh, next season, let's say he duplicates what he did last year, this year, he's going to be around 0.93 points per game. So that's that's a high number, 
and that's better than any of those names I mentioned. And look, Patrick Laine is considered one of the superstars of the league, and with good reason. And of course, it's not just about goals. It's not just about points. But, you know, Laine is a big guy. He can play physically a little bit. Um, but the Brinkett is in the category of those star players. And to get him secured for three years after next, that is tremendous. I could not be happier with how Stan Bowman pulled this deal off. And Hawks fans, you should be really, really excited for what the future holds with the Brinkett, with Strom, with eventually Kirby Doc, who we'll get to soon, Adam Boquist coming up, Ian Mitchell coming up probably next year. You've got Dennis Gilbert who's making the team. We're going to get to that as well. A lot of things to be excited about, Blackhawks fans. So here we go. Today's the day. The puck drops. The season's underway. Let's go. It is Locked On Blackhawks on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, if you're in Chicago, by the way, if you're downtown Friday, I'm going to be at Bulldog Ale House, 901 South State Street, taking in the Hawks game. I'm going to be there with my Madhouse podcast partner, James Naveau, just chilling out, watching the game. I'm also going to be interviewed on 670 The Score with Lawrence Holmes at noon. So put on the score at noon and then head to Bulldog Ale House for the one o'clock puck drop and hang out with us, watch the game. It's going to be a good time. Nothing overly crazy, no raffles or giveaways or anything. We're just going there to hang out, drink a few beers, and watch some hockey. But uh, James and I will be there, so come and say hello. Come join us. Now, aside from the big news of Alex Debrinkit signing his contract, which, of course, dominated the headlines, some news and notes from around practice. The third pairing in practice was Slater Cuckoo and Dennis Gilbert. This has been one of our top topics all week on Lockdown Blackhawks. It was first on, I think it was Tuesday, the roster came out. We said, oh, look, Kelvin Hahn's going to play. He's slated in. Then Wednesday, Jeremy Calton said, oh, you know, I'm not so sure, but if he, if we want him to play, he's going to. And then Kelvin DeHaan said, I don't think I'm playing. That's news to me. Well, on Thursday, we finally find out that uh, it looks like Dennis Gilbert will officially get recalled on Friday, and he'll be the sixth defenseman paired with Slater Cuckoo. And... Uh, I mean, probably not ideal. You'd probably prefer to have Calvin DeHaan in their opening day, but he is a very important part of things to come this season, and I don't have any problem with delaying his appearance a week. The home opener and their next game is a week from Thursday, um, so that's on the uh, 10th of October. That's the home opener against the Sharks. If that's the day Calvin DeHaan starts, and it, if it helps him feel more comfortable and more healthy, then they should absolutely do that. Dennis Gilbert played very well in the preseason. We talked about it earlier this week. Duncan Keith unprovoked, raved about Dennis Gilbert's game, his physical ability, uh, his physical, his ability to play physically, rather, and uh, his ability to defend. So I don't think it's going to be uh, anything that you know is going to hurt the Blackhawks too badly to have him there for one game. And look, this is a proving ground. Maybe Dennis Gilbert can show I'm better than Slater Cuckoo, or maybe I'm better than Brent Seabrook. Who knows? But excited for Gilbert to get this opportunity. It's not official yet, but it seems like it's all but official at this point. The other thing we're not sure of is who's going to start for the Blackhawks in goal. I mean, logic and reason would tell you it's going to be Corey Crawford. He has had a decent preseason. He's been your franchise goalie for a long, long time now. And even if you thought Robin Leonard was playing a little bit better in the preseason, he's coming off a little bit of a sore hip. He did finish that game 
in Berlin and finished fine. But all signs point to Corey Crawford getting that start. Jeremy Calton has some weird things to play coy about. I'm not really sure what the deal is there, but hey, the team for the most part is relatively healthy. I think the guys that are banged up right now are close. Connor Murphy will officially not play Friday. Not a huge surprise, um, but he he's a guy who could potentially be back on Thursday when the Sharks come to town. I don't know. There's a there there's there's some there are some injury things to work through, but overall. Um, the Hawks are pretty healthy and things look pretty good. The other thing I want to mention is Kirby Doc. Um, he was uh, Jimmy Greenfield from the Sun Times asked Stan Bowman. Uh, I'm sorry, from the Chicago Tribune asked Stan Bowman about his status, and here's what Bowman had to say: "Quote: If he's going to quote if he's ready, he's going to play. He's not just going to be a practice player for us forever, but he's not quite there yet. He's on his way." We're hoping to get him in games at some point, but he's not quite there yet. Bowman went on to say, part of it is being cleared from the concussion, but the other part of it is you've got to be ready to play in a game. Just because you're clear, but you haven't practiced for two weeks, you're not sharp enough to play in games. So it looks like Doc is getting close. In an ideal world, you'd like him to be able to be sent to Rockford and get some conditioning games in there and get up to speed a little bit, but the Hawks don't have that luxury. The way the deal works with the NHL and the CHL says CHL players drafted cannot go to the American Hockey League. They either play for the NHL team or they go back to the CHL. So for Kirby Doc, it's either Chicago or Saskatoon. So they don't have the luxury of being able to say, why don't you go play a couple games with the Ice Hogs, get your legs back, get your endurance back, and go from there. He's going to have to work himself back in practice, and then hopefully eventually in games, but he seems to be a bit of a ways away from returning, not terribly long, and he has been practicing with the team, but they don't want to put him in there when he's not ready, and uh, that's, Stan Bowman seems to be very patient. He should be. Kirby Doc is, like Alex DeBrinkett, like Dylan Strom, one of the faces of your franchise going forward for hopefully the next 10 years. Wouldn't that be wonderful if he's your number one center once Jonathan Taves is ready to call it a career? Uh, it's good to protect him. There's no need to rush him. As, as excited as we are, as Hawks fans and observers, Stan Bowman is doing the logical thing here and not rushing his prize po- prospect into the lineup, and I think that's the prudent thing to do. The other bit of news today, and if you ever want to warm my heart, just show me Marion Hosa. That's all I've got to do. Marion Hosa drove from his home in Slovakia to Prague to see his Blackhawks. Well, I guess they're not his teammates anymore because Marion Hosa is an Arizona Coyote. I'm using air quotes. You can't really see that. But yeah, Hosa is officially part of the Arizona Coyotes, but he came to visit his teammates. And just seeing that guy back with the team, it all sort of fell apart when Hosa went away, didn't it? Just a guy who I've talked about him for years. I know this is a brand new podcast. You may not have heard that. But when he stepped away from the game, I used the term honor. It was an honor to watch Marion Hosa play. Just the uh, tenacity in which he played, the strength, the skill combination. He was a hockey robot. You know, he was the kind of guy who, if you were going to build a prototype 
of a hockey player. Marion Hosa is exactly what you want. And maybe he doesn't put up the numbers that Sidney Crosby do does, or Alex Ovechkin does, or Lemieux or Gretzky did. But when you talk about a complete game and a complete player, that is absolutely Marion Hosa. And uh, it was. It was truly an honor to watch him play and to see him back with his Hawks teammates today was great. He looks good. He looks healthy. Uh, it's just a shame that he's no longer part of this thing because that was a guy I loved watching play even before he was a Blackhawk. I think every team has that guy who, even they might be on like a rival team of yours, but you love watching him play. I think Bears fans would, would say that about Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. I think, you know, for me as a Hawks fan growing up, as much as I hated the Red Wings, I loved watching Sergei Fedorov and uh, Steve Eiserman play and Nick Lidstrom. So many great players that just, you know, I guess you'd say play the game the right way, air quotes, just complete. And Hosa is one of those guys. That was a guy who, when the Hawks got it, when the Hawks signed him before the 2010 season, I kind of had to pinch myself because I couldn't believe they had landed a free agent of that caliber. Time to continue our tour of the Central Division in the Western Conference here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. My guest today is Brandon Molesky from KFAN in the Twin Cities. He will preview the Wild for us. Follow him at KFAN on Twitter. He hosts the Wild Fan Line Call-In Show and the Beyond the Pod Minnesota Hockey Podcast. So I think the outside question from uh, most people who have kind of a peripheral view of the Wild is, is how much do Zach Parise and Ryan Suter have left in the tank? Can they still be counted on to lead this team to anywhere near where they want to go? Well, that's a heck of a question because they're both still under contract for another six years. Um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll talk specifically about Suter first because, um, you know, especially in this town, um, those two take a lot of heat for their contracts. And um, eventually their contracts are going to be a big, big problem for this team. But, you know, up until this point, I really don't, think they have i think especially Suter, i think has been worth uh, every dollar he's made up until this point um he did have a serious uh foot slash ankle injury two years ago never really got to uh, have the full training last off season and i thought he had a decent season given his injury but he clearly wasn't the ryan Suter of old so i'm curious to see um this season if uh if he's going to be back to 100% health or if he's just going to be dealing with that uh, foot-ankle thing for the rest of his career. Um, but uh, hoping to have him at full 100% health. And, you know, Parisi, uh, there are even rumblings about him wanting to get traded earlier in this offseason. That was before the Wild fired their GM, Paul Fenton. I think uh, Parisi now wants to stay after that happened. But, uh, you know, he's, he's run into a lot of injury stuff. You know, the problem the problem here is, there's really never elite guys to play with. So I think a lot of, a lot of scorers come here and then kind of underperforming statistically from where they've been in the past, just because, you know, they're not, they're not playing with a, a Jonathan Taves or a Patrick Kane uh, guys that kind of elevate their line mates. So um, he, I would be more worried about him. And I was extremely worried about him. I'd say a year or two ago when he was having the back problems, at least last year, he played a full season without any uh, back issues firing up, which was, uh, a big time hit for this team because uh, if they would have been in trouble if that back was firing up for the rest of their career. So um, I would say they still have something in the tank for this year. Um, how much longer? I think Suter's going to last longer than Breezy, but uh, I guess you're probably hoping you can get three, four more years out of them at this point. 
Well, you mentioned Paul Fenton, and uh, for those that don't know, he was a wild GM, fired after just over a year on the job. Um, some trades got leaked that never happened. Morale around the office was down. He was replaced by Bill Guerin this offseason. What kind of damage did Fenton do, and how much of an impact do you see it having? How much How much carryover do you think there'll be uh, for the Wild this year? Well, in terms of on the ice, it's kind of really hard to know in terms right. of his personnel moves, in terms of trades, and obviously, you know, he had two drafts, and we're, we haven't really seen any of that come to fruition yet, so in terms of his ability to evaluate talent, it's a little difficult to say. And frankly, he wasn't fired because of his ability to judge talent. He was fired because of his really just lack of people skills. Um, everyone in the front office uh, didn't get along with him. Uh, he seemed to be one of those guys that um, thought he had all the answers and wanted to do everything himself and really didn't want input from others. And um, he might be able to evaluate talent, who knows, but in terms of being able to lead um, not only members of the front office, but I think there were uh, lots of players that were, were not happy. And I, I think that's eventually why Craig Leopold, the owner, made the decision really kind of late into the offseason here, right? What early August mm-hmm. um, the fence was going to go because I think he saw, you know, guys like Zach Parisi maybe wanting to get traded, a guy who was supposed to be here the rest of his career. Um, Jared Spurgeon, who might be their best player, uh, hadn't even really been uh, approached with a contract offer, even though he's only got one year, one year left on his deal. Um, it just seemed, you know, Jason Zucker's name was thrown out in multiple trades. It almost, it was almost traded twice and just the way it was handled and stuff getting leaked out. So, um, it's interesting going into the season because personnel wise, they're not really that much different than they were last year. You know, they only made another move or two and I wouldn't say anything, you know, other than Matt Zuccarello, they didn't make any significant moves. I think the team's kind of banking on just having a better vibe and, and, and wanting to play and just having a positive attitude. Cause I think. Um, the morale was completely drained from this franchise last year. Yeah, earlier this week I went over the odds from Bovada for this upcoming season, and uh, people outside of uh, Chicago and Minnesota don't seem to think much of the Blackhawks and Wild. We'll get to that in a minute. You mentioned the Matt Zuccarello signing. Um, top line minutes for him, to, probably a reasonable expectation? Yeah, you know, when they, when they signed him, they signed him a pretty significant deal, yeah. five years, $30 million, and, and a no-trade clause, which – at his age, is a little worrisome to me, especially with the uh, expansion draft coming up here in a couple of years. But um, uh, on this, you know, I, I think on a Stanley Cup team, I'm not sure he's a top-line guy, but here he is. Um, they were kind of missing the void left from Mikhail Granlin being traded last year because um, Granlin was a guy that had a unique skill set that really no one else on the team could duplicate in terms of his vision, his playmaking, his ability to set up others, especially on the power play, and they – um, even though I don't think he flourished too well in Nashville once he got traded to the Predators, um, I do think that was an element of this team that was severely lacking. And I do think that Zuccarello was kind of brought in to replace that skill set. Even just early on in preseason, you can just tell the difference in terms of vision that he'll make on the power play. Um, don't know, you know, uh, he's, he's not going to be playing with uh, elite goal scorers, so we'll see how that affects his numbers. But I would expect him to be first-line uh, type of player. And I even uh, saw Bruce Boudreau, the head coach, earlier this week, um, heading into the game, first game against Nashville, um, saying he moved Zach Parisi up to that line with Zuccarello because Parisi did not score a goal in the preseason and he wants to get Parisi going. So that shows you what he thinks of Zuccarello. I think he's going to be one of those guys that throughout the year, Boudreaux is going to take players that are maybe struggling and try to throw them with him to get them going. 
Well, another addition uh, the Wild made this offseason, uh, former Blackhawk Ryan Hartman, who has bounced around a lot since uh, the Blackhawks yeah. traded him. He's been with uh, Nashville. He's been with Philly, now with Minnesota. I'm probably missing five or six teams in there. Um, uh, wh- where's Ryan Hartman been lining up in the preseason? Uh, and I can just sort of tell you outside looking in, a physical guy, inconsistent guy, but he can score when he's engaged. That's sort of the big thing with Hartman. What are the expectations and what are the, uh, where, did the where do the Wild have him so far uh, in the preseason as the regular season approaches? Yeah, he's slotted on the fourth line, but a guy that if he has some injuries, I think can move up into a third line role. Um, really, I've heard nothing but rave reviews about his performance in training camp and preseason. You know, he, as much as you said he bounced around, he still is a relatively young guy. You know, mm-hmm. he's still pretty early on in his career. Uh, maybe quite uh, just needs to find the right role and, and kind of getting into the prime of his career. So, uh, and he has, you know, as you mentioned, I think had a 20 goal season in his career. So he um, does have a little bit more upside than your typical fourth liner. Um, right now he's slotted the fourth line and then really it's kind of big for the wild because, you know, um, the wild are not a team that has that go-to guy that has the, um, intimidating top line. So whenever they've been successful and, and you would know about it in Chicago, cause I think it was, man, I don't even know how many years ago it was now, but there was one series a couple of years ago, one of the, one of the mini series in which the Blackhawks took out the wild, but there was one where they're playing in the second round and the, in Chicago ended up winning in the, in, in six games. On uh, a uh, Patrick Kane getting that overtime goal off the stanchion with the weird bounce off the stanchion, but that was, I think, probably one of the best wild teams I've seen in the last five six years. And I actually thought they competed very well with Chicago in that series. But what made that team good is they could go four lines. You know, their third and fourth line they would get lots of offense from. And basically, because they don't have that go-to line, uh, I've always felt that this team needs to have four lines going, four lines that can score. Um, hopefully Hartman can add that. Um, they should be a little bit stronger at the center spot on the fourth line this year, um, just because they've got some younger guys that hopefully are, uh, you know, like a Jewel Erickson X that will elevate their game a little bit. Cause last year they, they, they struggled from a depth standpoint and, and it hurt them mightily. All right. Before we wrap up, Brandon Molesky from K fan in the twin cities. Want to get your thoughts on the Blackhawks this season. We've asked all of our central division, uh, guests so far. I want to get your take as well. Well, you know, I've uh, it's, it's funny because I've always been a huge uh, Corey Crawford defender in this town against uh, one of my co-hosts, Pat Nicoletti, who I uh, host a lot of wild-related programming with. Um, and obviously his health over the last couple of years has had a pretty big impact on that team. You know, they just are not as good defensively as they once were. I think Duncan Keith has slid a little bit, and clearly Brent Seabrook has slid a lot. And then, you know, you know ended up trading away. Uh, Jalmerson to Arizona, and, and which was once a big strength. And I think a lot of people focused on all the high power forwards you guys had when you guys were winning Stanley Cups, and, and rightfully so. They deserve a lot of credit with Kane and Taze and Hosa and, and uh, Saad and you know, even Bufflin when he played with you for a little bit. But um, what made that team go, I thought, was the, uh, the, the core of four defensemen. And I just don't think even now that they've recovered, obviously you got a little backup goaltender now. Uh, to help you out with uh, Crawford if something were to go wrong up there, but um, I love I love me some Patrick Kane. He's one of my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite players to watch. He's clearly entertaining, um, but I you know and it was nice to see Jonathan Taves have a little bit of a bounce back year last year after people thought he was kind of sliding towards the end of his career. But they just they don't have the depth forward that they once had around those guys, and um, defensively I still think there's an issue. So. To me, it's. I still think you're pretty dependent on Corey Crawford being healthy for a full season and, and returning to where, where he once was. And if he can, I, I think um, 
kind of where the wild are. And I don't, uh, the whole division, I, you know, every year you never know who's going to take first and who's going to take last. And I think this is one of those years where uh, I would never doubt out Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves just because they got the heart of a champion. But um, uh, I, I, I would just kind of expect them to be a borderline playoff team at this point. All right. Brandon Molesky from K fan in the twin cities. Thanks for your time. We very much appreciate it. Follow Brandon on Twitter at B Molesky K fan. We appreciate you joining us on lockdown Blackhawks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for this episode of lockdown Blackhawks. Thanks so much for joining me. Puck drops today at 1 PM. Again, if you are in downtown Chicago, join us at the Bulldog Ale house, 901 South state street. That is right between the Harrison and Roosevelt red line stops really easy. Get off the red line and just walk a block north or south, depending on your stop to the Bulldog Ale House. Should be a good time. Come say hello to me and my Madhouse podcast partner, James Naveau. Uh, but we'll see you there. Hopefully, hope you can make it again. Get those voicemails and emails in. We do not want to delay the email segment and the mailbag segment a week because you guys haven't gotten me anything. Come on, don't make me be like a naggy teacher. Hit me up, LockedOnBlackHawks at gmail.com, or leave those voicemails, 708-653-0572, 708-653-0572. One more thing I want to mention. I know uh, some people had some problems finding the podcast on Pocket Casts. It is there. It is live. It's available now on Pocket Casts. So we're already at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, now Pocket Casts. It's going to start to populate everywhere if there's a podcast provider you use that does not have Locked On Blackhawks, please, please, please get in touch with me via Twitter, via email, whatever, and I will do my best to get it resolved as quickly as possible. We want our audience to be able to find us easily. Uh, so if you're having problems, let us know, and we can get it taken care of ASAP. But that's going to do it. Thanks for listening to Locked On Blackhawks on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's hope the Hawks get this win this afternoon against the Flyers. I'm Jay Zawoski. Thanks a lot for listening.